joining me for another episode of Coffee with Yvonne, a show for creatives and entrepreneurs. And just to let you guys know, we're going to take a little break. I will be back this fall, I promise you, because I have a lot more people I want to talk to over coffee. But anyway, great episode planned for today. I have saved, in my opinion, one of the best for last to interview for Coffee with Yvonne. So grab your coffee, and let's chat. So we have to get into our industry news segment, What's the Brew, which is brought to you by Black Nerd Coffee. It's founded by two HBCU grads. Black Nerd Coffee is a Black-owned, woman-co-founded e-commerce business. As a coffee roaster, they specialize in small batch roasted coffee in whole bean and ground finish. By this episode, if you have not tried them, please do. It's really good. I love their brew. It wakes me up every morning when I have it before getting started with my day. But you can find them on Instagram and Facebook at Black Nerd Coffee. Coffee nerds unite. In our first story, Ariana hits a new high note with REM REM Beauty. This was reported by Harper's Bazaar. Ariana Grande is the latest celebrity to jump into the makeup game with REM Beauty. Like many product launches, she teased the products on social media before doing exclusive direct-to-consumer drops. And the makeup line is actually inspired by 60s kind of mod retro futurism collections featuring products like Under Eye Balm, Lash Brow Serum, Face Mist, and a versatile cheek and lipstick. When asked about her new line, she said, I decided to name it Rim because it felt like it really encompasses a lot of my favorite parts of my sound sonically. She also said, Rim stands for rapid eye movement, focusing on dreams and focusing on the eyes, and the eyes being kind of like our best way to articulate better than you can with words sometimes. You can find the collection exclusively at Ulta. So go ahead and try it, see how you like it, and if you don't, that's okay. In our next story, Janelle Monet embodies Hollywood glamour. This was recently reported by The Root. Janelle Monet, oh my gosh, the Met Gala was on Monday at the time of the recording of this podcast, but Janelle Monet literally slayed the Met Gala this past week in Ralph Lauren, and she was giving what could be called old Hollywood glamour because the theme of the Met was the Gilded Age, which only 30% got it right, but we're not going to go there. Anyway, she was giving very much Josephine Baker vibes. And there was a reason for that. The singer will star in, as the iconic artist in the TV series, De La Resistance, focusing on Josephine Baker's role as a spy for the allies during the French resistance that helped defeat the Nazis and her experience as one of the most iconic and talented glamorous entertainers. I'm not going to lie to y'all. I'm super excited about this. Josephine Baker was really the Beyonce of her time. This woman was so iconic. She actually had, I think it was a Jaguar on a diamond lease strutting down the streets of Paris because she was that chick, period. In our final story, Netflix shows its true colors, reported by Essence, Amid a disappointing Q1, Netflix is now also under fire for the mistreatment of their Black employees. After recruiting Latinx, Asian, and Black women from well-known 
and leading publications such as the New York Times, Teen Vogue, and Vulture, Netflix laid off the team a mere six months since Tudum, the platform they were hired to create content for and take to the next level, launched in December 2021. For example, the staff who were affected were full-time, part-time, or on a contract. Most of them had just been given promotions the month prior to layoffs, which is tragic. And Madame Noir also shared that they were only giving two weeks of severance. For those of us who pay our bills and pay them on time because we like our credit score and our lights turned on, that's not a lot of money, especially if you are still responsible two weeks to cover your bills and not knowing where your next check is coming from. As someone who's experienced, it's very stressful. But Netflix has recently um, come under fire for a lot, including raising their cost of subscription and even possibly introducing a ad model in which you will have ads delivered to you while you're watching streaming services. It is disappointing that Netflix uh, stepped up to the plate to hire all these black and brown creatives only to less than a year later. Makes sense why Bozeman St. John left earlier this year. Mm -hmm. So I will continue to follow this story to see where it goes, but I'm not, I'm not too happy about this. And if I don't need to give them my dollars, I won't. This interview for Coffee with Yvonne is brought to you by PG County Apparel. I've shared on this podcast before and to anyone who listens how proud I am to be from Prince George's County. As one of the most affluent Black communities in the nation, Prince George's County is home to everything from sports and entertainment to business and pop culture. PG County produces excellence and it should be celebrated. You can show off your county pride with PG County Apparel with clothing and accessories to represent your region. Visit pgcounty.com, that's P-G-C-N-T-Y.com, to check out their site or find them on Instagram at pgcounty, P-G-C-N-T-Y. Oh, and for listeners of this podcast, use promo code PGPINK10 for 10% off, Rep PG. On today's show, I am bringing one of my, oh my gosh, throwback Thursday kind of friends, Bianca Perez. I've known her since we were in high school, y'all. And I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but we go back. We go way back. Our nicknames for each other are literally Ebony and Ivory. We used to tear up these DC streets going out together um, back when it was still old DC for my natives. You know what I mean by that. But On a personal level, Bianca is one of the most talented makeup artists I have ever seen. She has a natural talent, is self-taught, but also is trained in her craft as well. And she's one of the only people I have ever let put makeup on my face because I trust her craft that much. The work she has done in the industry from philanthropy through raising awareness about colorism, um, skincare, also diversity and inclusion has been wonderful to watch. And I just had to have her on my show because someone like that needs a platform to share her talents and gifts with the world. So get into this interview, this season finale interview with one of my dear friends, my sister, my love, Bianca. I'm gonna let you, I'm gonna let you in, enjoy your food, you know, cause I know, you just logged off. <laughs> I know you just logged off from work. So girl, I'm hungry. It's been, it's I'm just okay. but I'm here. I'm ready to answer all I know you're the ready. questions. Yes. Ebony and Ivory back together again. 
Yes, perfect harmony. Yeah, see, see, that's why I love you, Viac. I knew mm-hmm. you would understand the reference. Mm-hmm. Okay, I got your bio in front of me too. Is this a bio you want me to read? Whatever, whatever bio you have. Okay, that works for me. All right, you know I'm not cutting this out, right? I'm keeping this content. You know I'm keeping this. That's right, fine, but... girl. Keep, keep, girl. They gonna hear me smacking. Nobody's <laughs> get all the realness. All the realness. I okay. So like I mentioned, I have joining me for coffee today, y'all. One of, and I know I say this about a lot of people, but I keep my circle tight in those squares, literally. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bianca Perez, I've known B since we were, woo child. <laughs> Don't be telling my age now. Don't be telling me. I'm not telling your age. I'm just telling them the years. Yeah, it's been a long time. High school, high school. It's been a long time. High mm-hmm. school, yes. Since high school. But Bianca... Ebony and Ivory, as we like to call ourselves. Bianca is a beauty content creator with more than 10 years experience in the industry, working in both retail and fashion for high-end beauty brands. She's built a reputation as a makeup artist in major cities from the DMV to Miami. And as a beauty content creator, she encourages her followers to not only embrace their flaws, but walk through the world with confidence. And with that short, succinct, but still impactful bio, welcome to Coffee with Yvonne, Bianca! Hey, hey, thank you for having me. So excited. I'm so excited. First of all, (laughs) let's tell like backstory. Bianca was supposed to be one of my first guests when I was testing the YouTube channel, but... Life happens and we had to, you know, pivot. So now we hear Kiki in on this podcast, which is even better because our faces are shady. So y'all don't need to see that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not giving full beat makeup glam at all right now. I'm looking like it's been a week. And I, but you're still like beautiful, it. boo. Thank you, you sis. I love you. No matter what they say. It's important. You is kind. All them things. <laughs> No, but let me just say, Vani, I'm so proud of you. I'm really excited to be here. I'm always happy to support you. And I'm in awe of everything that you do. So I'm very, very excited and proud of you. Don't make me cry on my own podcast. I'm done. That was it. That was my own little, I love Vani Brandt. You know, I love you. You know, the only person who has beat this face has been who? You and me will never part. <laughs> okay, they can't see the party. Patty cake clap on here. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, Bianca, it seems like I have known you for, like we just said at the beginning, forever and have seen your journey as a makeup artist grow over the years. I know the backstory, but can you share with our listeners what inspired you to pick up a brush and explore the world of beauty? <sighs> you trying to make me go deep. You want the the resume cookie cutter correct i want the real or the real real this is coffee with yvonne we want the real okay so you know i'm fair skinned but i still have melanin so for all my light skin brown and black women out there you know that when you get acne scarring and hyperpigmentation it it turns black and it and you can really see it's really dark so i think for me it was like teenage you know teenage years starting with hyperpigmentation, scarring, acne scarring, trying to find ways to cover it up and just having a lot of insecurities around that. And then on top of that, like the stress of living in a, in an abusive household and like 
trying to smile, right? Like they say, this is what depression looks like. This is what anxiety looks like. Like you would be surprised nine times out of 10, like the person that seems like they're super happy and bubbly and loud and has it together. Makeup is always on point. Like you kind of never really know what's hiding behind all of that. And so for me, that is how it all started was just me, you know, trying to feel pretty, trying to fit in, trying to cover up scars and, and, you know, just be a regular teenage girl and then going to college and just, you know, so it was my own journey of learning makeup on myself and then embracing and helping people around me because they saw like, hey, you're really good at this. Can you help me with my makeup? Can you do this? Can you do that? Yvonne being one of them. Can you do my makeup? Like we're going out. So, you know, it just kind of took on a life of its own and just became, you know, a passion for, for makeup artistry. And see, Bianchi, I love how you gave the real explanation, not the resume one, because sometimes people just default to what's in their bio, but you gave Mm -hmm. the real story. Another thing that's not in our list of questions, but we grew up in the same neighborhood, right? We did not have Ulta or Sephora or any of those stores. (laughs) We were at the beauty supply store. Yes. All of our things. At Riverdale Plaza. Hello. So, like, can you share for those who may only think that beauty, that um, Ulta or Sephora is like the place where you can buy your beauty products? What are your undercover gems or where you can buy really great products for affordable prices? Yeah. And you'll see like some of the brands that we used to, you know, wear back in the day, the Wet and Wilds and the NYX and the, cover girl, you know, yes. I still wear it. but a lot of them have become more popular now. Like makeup is such a huge thing now. But for me, like I still gravitate towards a lot of drugstore brands and having worked in the industry with brands like Mac, Chanel, Urban Decay, like you kind of learn the dupes and like what works and A lot of these brands, if you really look at them, even the packaging is the same, right? Like a Tarte Shape Tape Concealer that's like 30 bucks compared to like a L'Oreal Infallible. The packaging is almost identical, but what it says on the bottle is different. But it's it's like less than half the price. And so for me, I still go to drugstores. I still go to beauty supply store. I'm still a Walmart girl. I'll still go to Target. I don't care. But I'm not going to knock Ulta. Ulta is one of my hands down favorites because they cater to both. They have luxury brands and they also have drugstore brands. And if you walk in the store, it's separated that way. So you can still find like hidden gems and then walk to the other side of the store and still buy Chanel products. So it's the best of both worlds in one place. Yeah. And I think also to the beauty industry is very inclusive, but also sometimes you have that high end luxury version of the beauty industry that for people who may not have, you know, you know how much makeup costs, like 300 plus dollars to spend on makeup. It can make them feel excluded from the conversation. Like the, their $4.99 lipstick is not as good as the $40 lipstick, you know? Yes, absolutely. And I'm not shy to talk about all these different brands because I think sometimes influencers, especially influencers of, like, influencers of color when it comes to the beauty space, shy away from talking about inclusivity and how certain brands don't cater to, you know, people who have, you know, skin like ours. And it's it sucks because, you know, we have the money to spend. We have the buy power and all those different things. But sometimes we want better quality things. And sometimes there are 
certain things that you will not find in a drugstore that you kind of do have to go the luxury route for. But then if you can't find it in your shade, you're kind of just, you're kind of just stuck, right? Like I'll use Chanel as an example. Chanel was breaking into Ulta stores. Never in my life did I ever think that Chanel makeup or skincare would be sold in Ulta, but they've made a few mistakes along the way, which has really forced their hand. And they're not in every Ulta. You're not going to see them in every Ulta. They're still in very like select Ultas that are in very specific communities, right? But they made that leap so that they could say, we're now in Ultas. And so if I'm a Black or Brown woman, there are still certain things in that Chanel family that I cannot find to cater to my skin type. So, you know, we still have a really, really long way to go when it comes to the beauty industry and being inclusive. Yeah. And, you know, you bring up a good point because Chanel is one of those iconic brands that has been around forever. If we were to rewind back, go further back in time, makeup or the beauty industry, as you know, has been around for centuries. Earliest to note would be the Egyptians who would create eyeliner using minerals and animal fat. Why do you think that makeup has been so impactful back in ancient history as it is now? So you're going to make me take out my notebook. Because, take you know, out when your you notebook, love something, you, really, you know, you really like study stuff. You and know? it's just not, it's not just, you know, Egypt is in Africa. You know, there's a lot of tribal um, territories in Africa that you'll see still use like specific types of like tribal markings and makeup on their face. Um, you can go to Southern, South America and find a lot of those things as well. Like all over the world, even Asian countries, like, you know, you'll see a lot of different trends throughout history. Um, If you want to talk about Egyptians specifically, they believed that like the better that you look, the closer you were to like looking like a God. And so it was really, uh, uh, they wanted to reflect like, you know, being very rich and, and being able to afford certain things and being very polished. And so having makeup was, you know, you think about like, um, what is the, the girl? that everyone always wears her for, um, for Halloween. Oh, Cleopatra? Um, Cleopatra, Aphrodite. Like, you know, you think about people like that in history. They're so, you know, you see it replicated to today, but their, you know, ideologies and their reasoning for doing those things was it made them feel more beautiful. It made them feel more rich. It made them feel like they were as close to being a God as possible. And unfortunately, you know, I think it's still a stigma today. Beauty is always going to be a big thing. It's always going to um, kind of dictate status, you know, whether it's economic or just physical beauty, the way that we look at beauty and what makes a person beautiful. I, in my eyes, it's never like, you know, oh, she's fair skin. Her makeup is done. She has clear, beautiful skin. She has you know, full straight bodied hair. I'm curly. I embrace my curls, but like even that they wore wigs and they straightened their hair. So when you talk about beauty as a whole, they still kind of aim for those European standards of beauty. And it's crazy that from like those days till today, it's still such an aggressive, aggressive thing. And the same ideologies, like you're rich, you can afford like this kind of makeup and you can, and it looks nice. And, you know, you have a makeup artist come do it for you. Like, yeah, it's and see, still the same. You actually made a light bulb go off in my head because I never thought about it like that with the Egyptians wearing those straight wigs, which also 
uh, African cultures were the OGs of that too. People don't yeah. want to give them credit, but they were. But you bring up another point about them not embracing even their own hair texture and wearing wigs instead for that epidome of beauty look. Well, the, the bob was given. Let's not hate on the bob because the bob was snatched. It was given. The bob did give. She understood the assignment all she the time. Did. Sip where? <laughs> she was cute. But I mean, if you go to places or meet someone who is Egyptian or Moroccan or hails from any of those regions, their hair is not bone straight in a bob. Like that is not their natural hair, right? So beauty is way more than just makeup, right? It's your skin tone because some people bleach their skin. It's your hair texture. It's the color of your eyes. It's like so many different things. So yeah, girl. <laughs> yes. I'm going to write that quote down. You said beauty is what? That's a quotable. I missed beauty it, but you're going to have to rewind because I said a lot. No, no, it's okay. I got it. It's beauty is way more than makeup. That's your quotable. I like that. Oh, that's my okay. quotable. Thank you, keep- you guys. If you need to book me, just contact Yvonne. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Any marketing so, But when it comes to like diversity and inclusion, you touched on this a little bit when it came to like Chanel and them um, sprinkling their brand into certain stores. Why do you think in the past two years with the rise of, and let's just be transparent, you know, the protests and George Floyd and all that big, big box brands were being called to the table with a 15% pledge. Why do you think it took so long for them to recognize that there is value in diversity? That's a good question. I think, and I'm going to say this and I, a lot of people might like, slander me, but I think it's something that I have been paying attention to as of recently. I don't know if you guys watch like the history of all of these big brands, like the House of Gucci, Versace, Prada, YSL, Chanel, understanding the history and even people like Dapper Dan who were knocking off these brands because not only did we have the money to purchase it, but when we walked in these stores, these brands did not want us wearing their stuff. So do you think that they want us purchasing their skincare and their makeup and stuff like that, right? You know, Gucci is still one of the number one brands that is the most popular like luxury brand that I think people of color wear. And I'm so shocked that people are still rocking it because even after that black face turtleneck that dropped, it was like, you're canceled, you know? And I don't think that we, as a culture, pay attention to the history behind these brands. And that has a lot to do with how late they are to catching up to certain things. Like, a lot of these brands started years and years and years ago. I'm talking about, like, before the 1900s. And a lot of them were slave owners. A lot of them, you know what I'm saying? And yes, they were very prestigious prestigious white Europeans, but the standard of their product was not, it would be diminished if people of color were wearing it. If people of color, you know what I'm saying, were openly like customers and consumers of the brand. And it's really unfortunate that till this day, I feel like that's still like, it's still a big thing. Like the fallout of the oppression of people of color in this country and even in other countries, it's not just here, colorism is a thing. And so I think they're very late to the table because they don't realize like the buying power of the dollar that we have, but also the power of influence that like people of color are not sitting down and just letting themselves being trampled over. We're not letting like other people just take our ideas and like where we're calling people out for being culture vultures. Like, you know what I'm saying? These big, like the Kardashians and like people that are rocking the weaves and the braids and getting the big lips like 
even in the workplace, right? We have this conversation all the time. We as women of color in the corporate world, like the things that we wear and the way that we look is frequently like inappropriate, right? Like it's inappropriate for you to have your hair in braids. It's inappropriate for you to have a tight skirt on. It's inappropriate for you to have your nails a certain way. But guess what? At the end of the day, if I put something on and Sally put something on, it's going to look different on our body type. So why is it appropriate for her not for me? If a black man has dreadlocks and his hair is neat, why is that a problem? But then you have another guy whose hair might be really long and greasy looking and he doesn't tame his hair, but then that's not a problem, right? So those are the things that I think that we're still dealing with and fighting. But I do think like more voices and more people, especially of influence in a very specific place and platform are stepping up to address. And I think it's finally being heard. And it's so, it's such an exciting time to like, to see it happening because it's our generation, but I think it's like the generation after us too, like these younger kids. And I'm just like in awe of them, like, wow, you know, they're, so they're actually calling people out and not afraid to do it. Like you exactly. do it. And you bring up, you bring up something interesting. I think sometimes we limit our idea of thinking beauty is limited solely to makeup, but beauty is, you know, nail, nail culture, beauty is hair, beauty is so many different things that have been European in terms of the standard for a very long time, but the inspiration always came from indigenous and black and brown cultures. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So I just love how brilliant you are. I was just over here. I had to put myself on mute for everyone who's listening because I was just having an amen moment when she was <laughs> like, yes, this is true. And I don't think people in this country realize because even like laws have dictated for a long time what we can and cannot look like in the workplace. Like when they pass like that crown bill, like you can't discriminate against someone because of their hair. Like it's just really frustrating because it's just like, if I look a particular way or if I am of color, you automatically assume that I am of at-risk background. Like I came from an at-risk background. And let's, I'm going to be real. I did come from like an at-risk background. I went to Bladersburg High School. Bladersburg, stand up. (laughs) I came from an at-risk environment. The neighborhood wasn't the best. The school wasn't the best, whatever. But I have three degrees. I work, you know, in a really great job. And there is no reason why I just at glance of me that you should assume that I'm not educated or fit to meet the standard of, you know, what a job is calling me to do. So, you know, I'm, I'm proud. I mean, that's just a baby step, but we still have leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. So what are some ways that the beauty industry can help amplify the voices of minority communities? Because you brought up a lot of great examples of what they're not doing. But in your professional opinion, what could they be doing better besides um, doing a standard statement on Instagram or a press release? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. I think like the culture of where we are today is forcing not just beauty brands, but like brands as a whole to be more inclusive in advertisements. And like driving specific narratives of like, okay, we're going to put this billboard out there and it's going to have a white woman, a black woman and an Asian woman. Right. But I, I'm slowly seeing brands, even if I'm watching TV, it's a hundred percent black. And I love that. Right. And I'm tired of seeing the narrative of like, even in TV, like, oh, here's a Black family or a Spanish family and they're like struggling and they can't afford certain things. Now you see shows like Blackish and you have like my girl Tracy on there who is killing it 
She is a fashion icon. Her makeup is on point. Her, you know, her hair products are doing amazing. She's, you know, the face of not only her brand, but she has been the face of a lot of other beauty brands, a lot of other fashion houses. You know, I and love her. You know, I love Tracy. I love me some Tracy. That's my boo- I really want her to be on my show. I want her. That would be the ultimate dream guest to have her on Tracy, my show. Tracy, can you please come and sit? And, and, and can we invite Bianca back for that conversation? Oh, my God. I think low-key Bianca, I, we will have to talk for at least 15 minutes before because I would just fangirl the entire 15 time. 15 minutes, girl, bye. That would not be enough. I love her and I think her you know what her voice is even more powerful not because she is the daughter of a celebrity but because she is a black and white child you know she comes from a mixed background but she looks black and so you know no matter if you're black and white you're always going to be labeled black when someone looks at you because that's that's what you look like you know that's what you resemble that's the first thing someone sees and so it's just so important but I do think these brands need to do better at like pushing the narratives of inclusivity, not just in like, you know, magazines or TV, but also when you walk into a store, like if I walk into a store, there needs to be a huge color range of products. And I understand from a business perspective that it may be more expensive to have these color ranges and that you have to do your due diligence to really understand like the analytics behind what shades sell, what shades are more popular. You want to stay in business. It's such a cutthroat industry, but you're kind of missing the mark when you don't include all these things. It's the same as like plus size. People are starting to get hip to plus size. You're missing the mark. You're not making clothes for plus size women. The average size is 12 and up. You're going to miss a lot of money. You know, it's still business. And so, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see more brands be inclusive. I'm also excited to see more black brands like on the up and up, you know, your Umas and your um, Black Opals and your fashion Juvia fair. Plays, Fashion <laughs> Fair. Like, you know, I, I love to see it. I love to see it. And you're actually right because it's not just about, from a marketing standpoint, putting out an ad. It's about the experience from the time you look at that ad to the time that you walk into the store to the time you purchase a product, right? It's a it's a ripple effect. And if you don't have the right people at the table who are helping to make those decisions, and I'm not just saying, you know, insert diversity and inclusion here, but you have someone who actually has a position of power to make those changes, you know, and to make things happen. That's what helps make the difference. That's what helps to move the needle. And it's not just diversity and inclusion and looking at color is thinking about like how would someone who is disabled use these beauty products how is someone who is an amputee or something like that how could they experience our beauty products as well so it's, it's really expanding what we think about diversity because i think sometimes we put ourselves into such a limited scope of what it is where it's really a broad range of what's not being talked to yeah i think even like the LGBT community has been included more. You see, you know, the first ever cover boy, like, you know, instead of cover girl, like he's a cover guy, you know, there's a man, you have people like Mac Daddy and all these other things. Like, it's just, it's really nice to see that inclusivity. And I think like, it's a safe space. Makeup has always been like a really fun, accepting, safe space, but I think it's just so cutthroat and judgmental at the same time like working in that industry, right? And so it's just, it's really important to just pay attention to those those small things. And I know, like I said, um, Chanel, you know, they're not doing whatever, but I have to give Chanel credit. Most people don't know that Chanel actually has a foundation 
they give money to nonprofits all over the world that are helping young girls in different capacities. And a lot of brands are now stepping up to that nonprofit, you know, world and kind of contributing money because at the end of the day, it's a billion, if not trillion dollar industry that even through the depression, it never suffers. Women like to look good even when we broke. So we're going to spend our last little dollars on some lip gloss and some brow because it's just that that's the history of this industry just has never suffered. If anything, it's always like increased. So, you know, people don't understand the history of it and the power behind it, but it just continues to grow and mutate in so many different facets that it's like, oh my God, this is like, it's a powerful thing. It's very powerful. And it's definitely here to stay. And you mentioned something about like the beauty shades of foundation as someone who had a hard time growing up. I think you helped me find my first really good foundation, which was Bobby Brown. I think it was (laughs) back in the day. I have since evolved, but Rihanna had the girls shook when she released her foundations in a variety of shades and launched this for the first time inclusive campaign featuring models of different shapes and sizes outside of Fenty. And you did touch on it slightly, but are there any other brands you notice that are getting it right when it comes to creating inclusive products that you want to highlight? There's so many brands nowadays. It's like so hard to keep track of them. But in my mind, I always think like I organize them by like price points, right? And I think since the beginning of time, like your Maybellines and your Noriels and your Revlons have done a really good job. Like they cater to so many different demographics and shade shade ranges. I like Rihanna. I think she's very new. I think there is going to be a lot of developments in the formulas of the foundation that she needs to work on. But I love YSL, if you're thinking of like a more expensive brand, right? Even the history of YSL as a fashion house, you know, he loved his garments on women of color. So it was very natural that when they dropped the beauty line, that the house of YSL had very beautiful, rich color range and pigments for foundation for different skin tones. Um, You know, and then there's so many other brands that are just kind of trendy, like Tarte, Morphe, ColourPop, that they're just popping up out of nowhere, but they do such an amazing, amazing, amazing job. Um, So many celebrities, JLo's makeup brand, like there's just so many things. I think people are starting to pay more attention to it and they realize how lucrative the industry is. And so, yeah, it's, it's, there's a lot of great brands out there. Like take your time shopping them because there's just so many. Yeah. And doing your research and finding out what works for you. Cause I've gone through many foundations, uh, many different like lipsticks to, I found like the one color that just worked for me. So it just takes time. But when it comes to like makeup, it's more than just enhancing one's appearance, right? It can also tell a story, create art or advocate for causes. How has the makeup industry impacted your work in drawing awareness for causes that you're passionate about? (laughs) So, you know, a while back before I decided to like move to another state and change my social media handle and all these things for a while. Um, I was really into like merging my passions of beauty and the nonprofit sector and kind of creating events and uh, spaces that were inclusive, but that shed light on different things. But um, 
to speak directly about like different clientele that I've had, I mean, I've had women who are domestic, you know, violence survivors. I have had, you know, cancer survivors, even my mom, like, you know, in my chair, you know, they can't put just any kind of makeup on their skin when they're going through chemo. They react to it. They're very sensitive to it, but they lose all their hair. And then after chemo, they're just stuck and they don't feel beautiful. Um, You know, people that are military wives, people who are coming out of incarceration and just trying to find work. Um, There is something to be said about like when your face is just polished in a very particular way for, you know, and and it sucks because I feel like you shouldn't be viewed this way when you're looking for work or just by society in general. But like, there's something to say for someone who has, you know, a nice blazer button up, a polished, clean makeup look, you know, and it's just ready. And I think that that instills confidence in someone. Like when you look good, you feel good. Like it's a fact. And so I just think it's, it's, it's just so powerful that the power of makeup, right. That was a huge trend way back when shout out to my girl, Shalom Black, who like blew up off of that trend, but there is so much power in makeup. There is so much power in the level of confidence that you have when you feel good, that the makeup industry will continuously just kind of blow the top off of things over and over and over again. And it never gets old. And I think that's why you see influencers who, you know, may have different disabilities, deformities, who might be transgender, who might be burn victims, who might be, you know, domestic violence survivors really blow up off of just, Hey, this is what I look like before. And this is what I look like after. And you just see like the look on their face. So, you know, it's a, it's a powerful industry and there's a lot of, different causes that makeup brings attention to. Yeah. And I love how you brought up, you know, your mom, which is also my, my mom too. (laughs) (laughs) You know, mom, I love you, which to give you guys backstory. Okay. Bianca and I, like I said, we grew up together. Her mom is like a mom to me. My mom is like a mom to her. Like, you know, we all just one big surrogate family (laughs) in our friend group. (laughs) But I love how you brought that up about, cancer survivors because the photo shoot you did with your mom when she was uh i think in her first year of remission Mm -hmm. that photo shoot was one of the most beautiful photo shoots i've ever seen you do like it it brought a tear to my eye because to see her feel confident in her appearance and that vibrancy come out but it was the makeup that you put on her to let her see herself again that brought out that confidence so i never told you that but i wanted to tell you that Wait, you talk about the one when she was looking like a little bald-headed scallywag and yes. she was sitting in front of the house? Yes. yes. Bald-headed baby. My mom looks so fire with a bald head, by the way, you guys. Like, not any and everybody can pull up. Like, she pulls off a bald head so well. <laughs> it looks so yes. good on her. She really did. And yeah. in today's digital age, speaking of social media, there are so many platforms a creative can use to build awareness about their work. In your professional opinion, what are your favorite platforms? Are there any new ones we should be aware of? Because everyone's on the usuals, but what are the up and comings that maybe content creators or um, beauty content creators should, you know, dive into? So, you know, when COVID hit, I was I was freelancing as a makeup artist. I'm, I wasn't working for any particular brand as I'm not now. I take my own clients, but um you know, having to be stuck in the house and being 
in a space of losing your mind, <laughs> like everyone else and being bored and not knowing what to do. Um, I pivoted into like another space of semi nano influencer, right? Cause I don't have a crazy amount of followers, but I do really enjoy like doing makeup on camera, providing reviews. And so that kind of led me down like this rabbit hole of like finding all these new cool apps and communities where like specifically people that love makeup live on, right? So of course you have your Instagrams, you have your TikToks, everything is crazy. But then there's other apps. Like I, I came across this one app called Super Great. And I have to give them so much credit because that app, you go onto the app and you get 60 seconds, you look up the product, you have to review it on camera and then you post it and then people watch it. And it's people literally on the app who are reviewing, you know, whatever makeup they have in their house, whether they love it, hate it, whatever. Um, and then you collect coins and you can order free stuff. You get free makeup. Like when I tell you I have baskets and baskets of free stuff from this app, it's really allowed me the opportunity to like try new stuff and not spend a lot of money um, and build relationships with brands and get like a lot of PR stuff and things like that. But being on camera and talking about like how much I love or hate a brand made me real like very comfortable on camera. So, you know, I decided to like do my YouTube thing and kind of build that space. Other brands, I mean, other um, apps, if you're like looking for free product as a makeup artist or a makeup junkie or an influencer is um, like Octoly Influencer, where you can like pitch to campaigns and and get sent free things. So those kinds of apps for me um, have been really powerful in a space of like growing and meeting new people and, and exploring new communities that like are obsessed with the same things I'm obsessed with, <laughs> if you will. But you're really good at what you do and you manage to create a digital community that is built on authenticity. I know a lot of times in this social media space, people think the massive number of followers you have dictate the quality of work that you're given. That's not really true. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's more important to create a community that is tapped in, engaged, but also values your opinion, your professional opinion. And that could be 1000 people and it could be 10,000 people. But as a professional makeup artist, I think sometimes there's unawareness that you have to go through various training outside of having natural talent to learn how to beat a face. Do you think there's still value in going through the process of becoming a makeup artist, even though you are yourself self-taught? Um, I think it depends on what your end goal is. Like, if you want to learn how to do other people's makeup, yes. Like, if you want to be a makeup artist that knows how to do light skin tones, fair skin tones, dark skin tones, in-between skin tones, people with different textures of skin, skin conditions. There's a lot of science behind makeup that people don't stop to think about. You're literally putting it on your face. So you don't want someone that's just going to throw anything on your skin that's going to make you break out or it's not going to look good or it's the wrong shade. Um, so I do think like if, you, if there's someone out there that is striving to become a professional makeup artist, there is something to be said for getting the correct training. I have been doing makeup since I was 16. So everything that I've done and that I've learned has been trial and error. You know, every somebody might be 30 and decide, hey, I want to be a makeup artist. And so there's there's going to be a lot that you get out of it versus where you might have someone that wants to be more of like a YouTuber or an influencer and just wants to know how to execute looks on themselves. Um, so I really just think it depends on like what they want to get out of it. 
Yeah, like me, for example, you know I'm not a makeup artist. I know how to do <laughs> one type of beat. She cute, though. You she is cute. I've been trying. <laughs> you know, when you complimented my makeup that one day, Bianca, when we went to that one, um, what was that, day party or something like that, I felt so special for the rest of the week. I said, Bianca, love my makeup. The rest of y'all could go home. Bianca said, I look cute today. <laughs> but... For those of us who don't have time to achieve an Instagram look on a regular like me, what products should a person have on their beauty counter to create, like, say, a five-minute face all the way out to full-out glam? Yeah. Well, I always tell, like, all of my clients and just anyone that I come across that asks me questions is that your makeup is only going to look as good as your skin. And so you have different types of clients, right? You have people who have skin conditions that want to cover, um, like me, I have scarring. I want to cover it. So for me, my five minute face is like, okay, I'm going to put on a heavy foundation, a little bit of powder, some gloss, a little bit of bronzer, mascara, and I'm out the door. I don't even bother with my eyebrows, right? Unless they're looking like caterpillars. But I think it just depends on the person. Um, you know, for someone like you who has beautiful, flawless, chocolate skin. <laughs> I wish I could see her face right now. <laughs> no, but like for the client who is just gorgeous and doesn't need too much, but just wants to look a little polished for the day, I would do like a BB cream, a CC cream, maybe an eyebrow gel to kind of tame the brows if they're all over the place. You know, a nice contour palette that has like more than one shade in it. Like, you know, you just take a fluffy brush and create your contour, a little bit of mascara and like a lip gloss. That's that's really all, unless you got like under eye situations, then okay, maybe a concealer. But, you know, in and out of the door, it's like skin, lashes, brow, lip, cheek, and you're out. So, but of course, make sure you moisturize, put your SPF on. Ladies, if you're getting older, get your retinols, you know, that kind of thing. But, <laughs> but yeah, it doesn't take much to just get like a five to 10 minute look and just, you know, be out of the door. Now, for those who don't understand that makeup does have a shelf life, because I discovered this during the pandemic, I finally looked at the bottom. I said, what is that little symbol? Six mm -hmm. months? Mm -hmm. Oh, how often should we be refreshing like our foundations or our highlighters or even our lipsticks for those who have like 30 different versions? Me. Mm -hmm. How often should mm -hmm. we be refreshing mm -hmm. that stuff? <laughs> I mean, if you have very sensitive skin, I would say refresh according to the bottle. Of course, you can use it past, you know, that shelf life. But depending on what type of product it is, it might not be as potent. You might see your foundation separating like if you just let it sit. Even when you go into like an Ulta or Sephora and you see foundations that are sitting, you'll see them separating. Like if there's water or oil or anything, you'll see a separation. So you kind of want to stay away from that because um, it could cause, you know, breakouts depending on what the ingredients are. Mascara. Listen, I always buy travel mascara. I never buy a full size mascara. Mascara is the number one product. I will say if you're going to throw it away, throw it away because you're putting it on your eye and it frequently gets in your eye, even if you don't see it or feel it. Very small particles can get in your eyes. So you don't want things near your eyes that have expired. You can kind of get away with like primers and eyeshadows and stuff like that, especially if it doesn't have like a lot of fallout. But I would suggest anything for eyes, you know, be really careful with because you don't want to get an eye infection. Um, but I genuinely always tell people, please follow what the bottle says. If it says it expires in six months, if you're like me, it probably won't even last six months before you finish it. But if it does, I would say refresh for sure. 
Now, one thing I do be um, at the end of the year, and I might be telling my own beauty secrets, but I'll share it with the people. I go to Target mm-hmm. where they have all those beauty gift sets. You know, the ones that you can buy, like the $20 ones, and they mark them down to like five bucks. And I clear the shelf. Like I buy like the the mascaras, the, you know, all the stuff for like next to nothing. And I li- literally have a beauty box of just brand new products that I've bought a year or six months ago that haven't been open yet because it was a great deal. Is that a good or a bad thing to do? Tell me, just tell me about myself. Let no, me yeah, it depends on the product because that expiration date is from the time that you open the product. So you can kind of get away with like, like eyeshadows and stuff like that. You kind of get away with it unless you're just super sensitive. But when it comes to like certain foundations and stuff like that, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the word oxidize, right? So when you put foundation on your skin, sometimes you give it a second, it looks good at first and then it oxidizes. That means the color kind of changes and it doesn't really match you. So oxygen um, can actually like really impact the product and the shelf life of a product. Just like sometimes you have stuff, you have it in your shelf in the kitchen and it says after open refrigerate. So it's kind of like the same thing after you open it. That's when the clock starts. So I think it's important to pay attention to those things. So if you're going to be clearing out the shelves or if you're like me and you are like obsessed with Marshalls and TJ Maxx, just pay attention to, okay, this is when I purchase the product. This is when I open the product. And this is how long the product will last. Gotcha. See, you just giving me all the gems today because I, everyone listening, I text Bianca when I'm looking for a new mascara, a new um, eyebrow Jeez. pencil, all the things. In fact, you <laughs> told me to buy that one eyebrow pencil. I bought four of them. So I have them in stock, whatever. Oh, the Maybelline. Mm-hmm, the Maybelline. <laughs> I'm about to start charging her, y'all, because she definitely do be. <laughs> <laughs> and it'd be a million questions. You guys should have seen when she wanted to be Cruella for Halloween. Like, I was but like, ma'am, if you don't just go on YouTube. <laughs> Did I kill it though? I killed it. You, it was cute. She was cute. She was, I cute, was cute. I was cute. I mean. <laughs> oh, man, we're at our last question. Oh, well, finally, before we get into our quick fire questions, what is next for you? Are there any projects or collabs in the works? So, um, I went through my, you know, rebranding of going from FN to S, which like no one could ever remember. And they would always mess up the name, but that literally stood for from nothing to something. But I pivoted from that to beauty and the blazer. And I am working on my 501c3 and kind of getting back to what I was doing before of bringing brands together and cultivating creative spaces and events that have to do with beauty and fashion that also meet the nonprofit world and introduce all these different causes and kind of just support each other. So I'm really excited because everyone is like, when are you going to do an event again? The world is opening up again. These bloggers are like my besties. And, you know, I'm, I'm really excited to just kind of do my own thing and meet new people, but then learn about new causes because, you know, makeup is my passion, but so is helping people. And I'm just in a space of wanting to be my own boss and move forward. And so there's a lot of cool things, things coming. Well, you know, the moment you launch it, I will support you. I will be there for the launch event. I'll even put on makeup. (laughs) Yes, for you, Bianca. Like, you know you like to have a cute little glam. Don't don't say it like that. I mean, I, I know that, 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 that maybe, 
Okay, so we're at our quick fire questions on my UV. These are top of the dome. Do not overthink them. Don't overthink it. Okay. Ready? Yes. Okay. If you were a superhero, what powers would you have? Invisibility. Okay. Why invisibility? Because I can go anywhere I want to. You know, she could be in first class. She could get in the VIP, you know. She can go and, you know, do Just what she needs to do. I will access. And the yes. tea. I will get the tea. You, Girl, you think you're cheating? Call me. Hello. So my phone, your invisibility cloak be out like okay. Harry Potter. <laughs> Not the Harry Potter. Okay. Well, next question. All right. So we're out for the night. You know, Persia got a babysitter. We're all looking cute. It's time to go to karaoke night. All right. It's your time to go up to the mic. I'm already hyping you up in the back. I already got the IG stories ready to go. What song or rap will you just body at karaoke night? I like to rap. So I feel like it's going to have to give like either Notorious, B.I.G., well, if it's, it depends on my mood. If it's going to be like a right now with my girls and my bitches, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to have to give a little bit of Megan. So, it, you know, it just depends. <laughs> <laughs> depends what I'm doing, you know, the vibe. It depends. You know, you know, I got you with the Megan the Stallion. You know, Hello. we love some Meg. You know, we love uh, Yvonne going to be giving the ad libs in the back. And she's going to be my hype man. Hello. Okay. <laughs> Real hot girl shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in my bag, but I'm in his too. <laughs> All Thank right, you. so last question for you. It is Coffee with Yvonne. If you were a coffee, what kind of coffee would you be? That's easy. I would be a caramel macchiato with an extra shot, soy milk, and a little bit of whipped cream on top. Ooh. I drink her on a regular, honey. And she's very strong and she'll wake you up, but she's also very sweet and sassy and she won't do too much. So, you know, it's a classy girl drink. Okay. Okay. That that is a Bianca all the way. That's a Bianca. It will it, it's gonna give you what it's supposed to give. It's gonna surprise you a little bit. However, don't sleep on her. Period. Don't sleep on her. Period. <laughs> well, B, thank you so much for joining me for coffee. How can people find out? I know where to find you because we friends, but how can people find out more about you and your platforms and all the amazing things that you are doing? Yeah, my social media handles are Beauty in the Blazer, and I am on TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, super great. Come follow. Um, and there are some new things that will be popping up soon too. So Google me. Yeah, yes, Google receipts. Yes, well, Google. Bianca, thank you so much for joining me for coffee. I appreciate you so much. I love you with everything in me, sis. Oh, I love you more, sis. I will talk to you very soon. Love you, B. Love you too, boo. Bye. Bye. I had so much fun during that interview. I almost forgot I was supposed to be interviewing her and not just having one of our regular chats, but we're going to have one soon anyway, as soon as she gets back from Greece. I hope you enjoyed today's chat. And oh my gosh, it's the last episode for the season. I'm going to miss talking to you every week, but I will come back with fresh new content and new guests for you to learn about or people you know about already to bring on the show. Anyway, 
You can learn more about me and my business, Pink Dollhouse Marketing, by checking out my website, pinkdollhousemarketing.com. And you can follow my business page on Instagram. You can slide into my DMs. It's cool at Pink Dollhouse Marketing. Thank you again to our sponsors, Black Nerd Coffee and PG County Apparel for not only believing in me, but believing in my podcast and my show and for the information I'm bringing to you, my listeners every week. Thank you for your support this past season. I truly appreciate every kind word you guys have said to me, whether it's in the comments or the reviews. And I promise you, I will be back this fall to chat with you soon. Bye. Coffee with Yvonne is produced and edited by Yvonne Pearson. Coffee with Yvonne is created by Pink Dollhouse Marketing. You can catch the latest episodes by subscribing to Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.